calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. everyone and welcome to this spoiler review for the beekeeper here on the geek bites brought to you by the geek buddies <gasps> hey! yeah you know geek bites have been fun place for us to come and do some alternative content for lack of a better term and uh, we've done some reviews godzilla minus one a lot of you enjoyed our review of that even though it was a few weeks later and but this is a little more current the beekeeper is out shannon and i uh, for those of you who've listened to us before, you know Shannon and I have gone and had Saturday afternoons watching these kinds of action movies. We've alluded to this experience. We've drank beers afterwards and what have you. So, like, this was a fun one that both of us went to see separately, unfortunately, because we don't live in the same city. But we were excited uh, to talk about here as a spoiler review on the Geek Bites. And remember, on a Geek Bite. And remember, this is a spoiler review. So, we're going to talk about everything that happened in the movie. So if you're like you haven't seen the movie, go back and watch it. But Shannon, please let the people know who you are here in case people are new and discovering our show for the first time. Yes, my name is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer. And under the uh, under the the the, the stewardship, the <laughs> the guide the guiding hand of Michael Vogel, um, I, <laughs> I wrote on all three seasons of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, season three, which you can see every weekend right now on YouTube, and the first two seasons. You can see on Netflix. There you go. Uh, and this one, uh, this and I'm the Outlaw John Rooka, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies and this overall channel, the Outlaw Nation. And both of us are massive fans of these kinds of action films that are one man against the system with occasional commentary. You know, we're old school 1980s guys who love the Stallone Schwarzenegger, Jean-Claude Van Damme, some Steven Seagal. Uh, maybe even a Jeff Speakman or two sliding in their type of movies and Chuck Norris, of course. But then, you know, Shannon, every once in a while, we get these kinds of films that we get to sit back, turn our brain off and have some fun watching a guy kicking ass and doling out some revenge in new and inventive ways with some wacky shit going on at the same time. What did you think about this movie overall? Jason Statham, a beekeeper who goes out on revenge because someone who was taking care of him uh, gets uh, uh, duped and kills herself. And so he has to go meet out this revenge all over the place, climbing all the way up to 
the presidency, for God's sakes, as he's doling out this revenge before escaping at the end. So what did you think overall of this movie and how it went down? So the Jason Statham January release, that is always a roll of the dice. I mean, typically the dice does not does not come up well. But every once in a while, you'll get like the first mechanic, which I was like, you know, this is not a great movie, but this is a lot of fun. Agreed. Agreed. Um, This this falls into that mechanic category. Um, The the one man army that Jason Statham is like, this doesn't always work with certain action stars. Like, I mean, I think you can probably look at uh, some other of his, uh, some other of his maybe fast and furious cohorts who um, have it written into their contracts that they can't be hurt Um, for whatever reason. And, and Statham pretty much escapes most hurt in this. Like he, he has a couple of, he has a couple of fights that go the distance. Um, He gets shot. He does get shot. He gets shot. He gets stabbed. Um, stabbed. It's towards the latter part of the end. (laughs) It's towards the third act. Arguably Um, when he's much more exhausted, his defenses are down. So it's believable. Maybe I don't know. One man army, one man army. Um, With Statham, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Watching Hmm. Jason Statham kick the crap out of someone is uh, 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 some, especially a deserving someone. There is a level of, level of catharsis there um is jason statham the strongest emotional actor no um a couple of moments of, oh she's the only one i ever take took care of me it's like ah yeah that's fine like let's just get to, <laughs> let's get to the next part I'm good um, with that <laughs> the 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 beekeeping terminology that he uh that, that he uses throughout the film yeah. is it a little silly absolutely um but the movie is a lot of fun like the first half of this movie johnny yeah, I was like, oh, I'm buying this. I'm 100% buying this. Yeah. Then it takes, uh, it starts to take a right turn, and I'm like, oh, we are going real far out. <laughs> By the time that you get to this rave carnival birthday yeah. party for the yeah. president, where there are South African mercenaries dressed up like pimps from the early from the from early 2000s, I'm yeah. like. Oh, okay. They they really didn't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's like let's throw everything at the wall. Let's throw everything at the wall. But I saw it in a very very crowded theater on a Tuesday afternoon, and I'm like, I I had a good time. Is it mm. is it going to take up residence amongst my uh, DVD collection? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> but if it's on if it's on HBO, if it's on a streamer, chances are it will get turned on again. Yeah, I agree with you. There's an earnestness to Jason Statham's work that I think you can't deny, which is why. People love to watch him in these kinds of vehicles. And I do want to say, because we're talking overall thoughts on this, David Ayer understood the assignment. He got, I mean, if you want, putting those two guys together is like a match made in heaven, considering all that David Ayer's been dealing with. David Ayer's tendency is to go a little rougher, a little more brutal, a little more, dare I say, a little more masculine and gritty masculine approach. End of Watch, Fury, some of the some of Suicide Squad and other things that he's done. It's got that, like, um, what was the one with uh, Schwarzenegger that was pretty brutal that he directed as well? He oh, likes... yeah. Co- 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 I forget what it's called. But again, Is it he, Sabotage? Sabotage, that's it. Yeah, Sabotage. He likes to go to those darker edges. And so Statham has done that in a number of films. So putting them together to do this film, I thought, was 100% the smart move. Uh, Air needing a win. Statham not having a win with one of these in quite some time. So it's just a good combination. And the way they go about telling this story, there is some commentary. Got to be fair. There is some commentary against the government, against government organizations. It's kind of it's bubbling under the surface because it's more about the revenge and what he's going after and what he wants to get. 
And look, you can't pick anybody better than Mrs. Cosby, Felicia Rashad there to come in, or Miss Huxtable rather, to come in there and be someone that you don't want to see taken out. Of course, her in Creed, so her having like a little bit of a mini renaissance in some of these movies is great to see. And the impetus, you buy the impetus because this is something that people have been experiencing. There have been our, our, our parents, our friends, our neighbors, our grandparents, uh, our friends who've experienced this kind of fishing situation. They go after old people on purpose. So it was a real world thing that some of us have seen articles on or sorry, read articles on or seen documentaries on or listen to podcasts about. It's something we can be uh, we can be afraid of as we go into AI, as we go into more of computer stuff taking over our lives, technology and what have you. You can understand someone falling into this trap uh, without knowing about it. And then, of course, what she decides to do. So you're already on board. They, they did a great job of giving you just a little amount that you needed so that you could go on board with Jason Statham and him starting do, starting to dole out just brutal revenge throughout the whole thing. And I also enjoyed the inventive ways that he was do, doling out this revenge, which we hadn't quite seen before in a Jason Statham movie overall. But I agree with you. Yeah, he's not going to deliver the most. You don't catch him with these quiet moments reflecting back on the times that he had dinner with there's Felicia Rashad. There's none of that. It's more just him driving to get to the end here. And I was really surprised, like you, Shannon, that they made the right turn. And I care, and I'll tell you this, they couldn't have made the right turn and took most of us with us if they hadn't done a great job, as you said, in the first half, really laying the groundwork for this and getting you hooked into the movie. I saw it in a theater full of critics and like self-important critics, some of them. Because they're going to be real snooty. They were talking through the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Then they got hooked in and they were clapping and cheering and laughing throughout the movie. So that tells me this one works on multiple levels. We all have a primal desire for revenge in bad situations. But let's let's talk a little bit more about Jason Statham and some of the performances here. We certainly had Jason Statham leading the way. We have Jeremy Irons in here as well. We have Josh as a uh, what's Jer sorry Jeremy as a Wallace Westwild, who's this former head of the I think the FBI or the CIA. Yeah, he's now being what's that the CIA? The CIA. Yeah, yeah. And he's employed by Derek Danforth, who is played by Josh Hutcherson, fresh off uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, and then we also have uh, Emmy Raver Lampman from the Umbrella Academy, her playing the daughter of Felicia Rashad's character. She's an FBI agent, Agent Verona Parker, being a part of this uh, as well. And, and Minnie Driver in here as the current CEI director, Janet Harward, a very small role, but enough that you're like, well, maybe she needed insurance. Come and do a few lines, have some fun. What did you think about the performances throughout to keep you in the reality of this film? And I use that term loosely uh, with what they were laying out here. So for the most part, and this is no this is no crack on anyone's performance. I think the only people that are not um, easily changed out yeah. are Jason Statham, Felicia Rashad and Jeremy Irons, like yeah. literally everyone else in that cast. <laughs> it could have it could have been anybody. Uh, but I do think there is there's a nostalgia and there's a sympathy with Felicia Rashad for, you know, yeah. for those that grew up in the eighties as for, for her Mrs. Huxtable turn. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremy Irons is always a reliable bad guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, and, and even in this, he's really not that bad. He works for the bad guy. I mean, you, you I can mean, question, he's a little bad shit. you can question his morals and his ethics. Like, yes, he, he made the, he, he, he made the decision to work for this yes. absolute piece of shit. Right. But, um, but Jeremy Irons is always really, really reliable. Um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was really interesting, like watching the opening credits, how Minnie Driver didn't even get her solo card. I mean, she was yeah. she had a shared card in the opening credits. So what what that means for our audiences, for our audience members who don't um, 
don't always oh, yeah. know the industry terminology. Yeah. Um, typically, when you're looking at opening credits, all that is negotiated in your contract. Right. And when you have reached a certain level, your name comes up at the beginning by itself. Yep. Um, and there was certainly a time that many drivers' name would have come up by itself. It may have come up before the movie. Right. She actually was on a shared card, which I was like, huh, that's that's really interesting. Um, many drivers always great, though. I mean, she's uh, yeah. could that have been anyone? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Josh Hutcherson, like, again, not being a big Hunger Games guy, I'm like, he is a perfectly acceptable, if not unremarkable... Um, <laughs> Uh, actor in, in my opinion and that's like he yeah. didn't do he didn't do anything wrong like he right, he came right. up he came in he hit his mark he hit he set his lines um was there an opportunity to maybe really turn up the the douchebag on this guy probably um <laughs> but at the end of the day i mean th this movie is about this movie is about jathan statham i mean yeah. the one guy that stood out that i'm i would be curious to see if any of his stuff hit the cutting room floor would be uh bobby Nadari as um the uh uh Agent Parker, Verona Parker's uh, partner. Oh yes, uh, yes. Because he, like, I, I am not familiar with his work, but yep. he's, he's funny. Yeah. Like he, he delivered a couple of good one-liners that I'm like, huh, I'm, I, this guy, I'm interested in, and I'm wondering if there was more of that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a perfectly, perfectly fine cast, but the people that you had to have yeah. were Jason Statham. Felicia Rashad and Jeremy Irons. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I enjoy Josh Hutcherson. I'll bring him up again. Yeah, I liked what he did here. It was a lot of fun to see, like a change of pace from what we see in Five Nights at Freddy's. He's or in the Hunger Games films, he's much more of that kind of um, pissant who is the tech pissant who has no problem being a bit of a psychopath about making money off the um, poverty of other people, making people go into poverty for his own needs to help his mother. And look, you'd have to be a fool or maybe politically unaware to not know some of the implications here of a son helping a political candidate become president. Did the president know that? It's, I mean, like, really, you can't ignore that shit. It is out there. So you understand that's a little bit of commentary. And look, it can go both ways, no matter what side of the political spectrum you are on per, uh, current or, or previous administration. So it was a real world connective tissue here. But I thought it was an interesting twist to not have her know that this is a part of it. And I liked to Gemma Redgrave who played, the mom, she is from the Redgrave family tree. Don't mess with the Redgrave family tree. A lot of phenomenal actors. She is from that family out of the Redgrave. So it was great to see her bring some gravitas as the president to be a part of this. But I agree with you. Jeremy Irons, irreplaceable. So doing that American accent where he's chewing gum as he talks. And you're just like, he's doing the best he can with that thing. But I love it. And I'm never going to be mad at him doing that American accent. It just works uh, with how he's chewing the scenery up throughout this thing and going back and forth. And when he has the confrontation with uh, Jeremy, oh, sorry, with Jerry, J uh, Jason Statham near the end there, it's a nice confrontation. You don't need to have a lot of it. You get enough of it that when it happens, he takes his revenge in a certain way. So I appreciated that. Yeah, Mini Driver, fun. I'm glad, glad you got a paycheck. You bring a little strength to the film. Why not? And I love her. And maybe this is a franchise, Shannon, because this film is doing well. 40 million worldwide. That he escapes at the end, so we could see her be a bigger part down the road here uh, and her doling out the information about the beekeepers. I thought it was smart to have someone like that to be able to deliver the information. But I will say, I agree with you that this was she was a bit of a, a disappointment for me as I was uh, watching the movie here, Emmy, Emmy Raver Lampman. I didn't find her as believable or as strong uh, as an actress as I've seen her be in the Umbrella Academy and 
Maybe there was just not much for her to chew on here and do. So maybe this was a little bit of a phoning in situation. But I, of all the actors in the film, I didn't find her to be the most believable. And that kind of affected some of the emotional story here being told because we're seeing it from uh, that Felicia Rashad, her mom in the film, is the impetus for all of this happening. So I wanted some more there that we didn't uh, get. On a remote island in Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, what I agree yeah, okay. What did you think of David Ayer's direction here? David Ayer coming in, as we said, or as I said earlier, the director of numerous films, his hard-edged, grittier films, kind of doing a bit of a reparation on his reputation after the situation with Suicide Squad. Did you like the way he directed this film? Did you like uh, what he did here to take us through the entire film and what we saw? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can look at David Ayer's past body of work and mm. you can tell that this guy, this guy has those chops. Yeah. Um, they haven't always been on display. I mean, you know, mainly we're thinking Suicide Squad and it's, it's very well noted that he was not as involved in the final product as he yes. would have liked to have been. Um, but yes, this was perfectly, you know, competently directed. I mean, mm. there are some really, really fun sequences. And again, watching Jason Statham, uh, dispense this, you know, kind of, you know, frontier justice yeah. uh, on, on especially that first sequence when he goes into that first call center. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Watching him just lay waste to all those people. I mean, again, yeah. it was so, so satisfying. And I think uh, air has air is able to tap in to that kind of, you know, that, that masculinity that, you know, we, we, we haven't really seen since the days of like Schwarzenegger and Stallone, yeah. you know, that classic eighties action hero. Right. Um, and yeah, I mean, every punch, every kick Jason Statham throws, you kind of feel it. And obviously he, he's an in incredible shape. He's also yeah. in his mid fifties. So I yeah. would be curious, like how much of that is airs camera work and how much of that is Statham. My guess is it's probably someplace in the middle, but yeah. Yeah, everything was everything was shot really, really well. Some really, some really, really fun sequences. Again, towards the third act, we get we do veer into ridiculous territory. But <laughs> at that point, you're you're on the ride. It's kind of like, all right, let's see what else are you going to throw at the wall here. Um, so I thought Air did a great job, and I absolutely agree with you that we are going to see the return of Adam Clay in some in oh, some yeah. form. Oh, there has to be for God's sakes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Once we get into the Say they all oh, killed a beekeeper once. We're in some trouble. We're absolutely in some trouble in that situation. But, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, I liked Ayer's direction here, too. I agree with you. The way he, I mean, having that um, kaleidoscope imagery behind there in the first action sequence when he goes into that place and destroys it and sets it on fire was a nice kind of change. It's vibrant. It keeps you, like, attentive to what he's doing. Then the other action sequence when he's in, when uh, Statham is in his, in his own place here, cutting people up, cutting fingers, choking them with the chains, all the things that he was doing. They're using the hammer and all the things and the spike and all the things that he did. The shotgun to basically choke a guy, break his teeth out, snap his neck. I mean, it was great, delicious, brutal fun. Then the scene on the bridge where he sends homie over the bridge there oh. after he calls and finds out that it's Josh Hutcherson. Like all those sequences were really great mixed in with 
the inventive approach of how he was doing things and the ratcheting up of the tension of the beekeeper, the crazy woman who comes after him at the gas station. Uh, we're ratcheting up the tension there. And then when he's attacking the, the, uh, the uh, ATF guys outside the building, kicks them all and then goes in there to attack the mercenary force, takes them out. I thought Ayer's action direction there, taking us through all of it, the way he framed everything, I thought was fantastic. Got us in the mood. And then we get to the weekend at President Bernie's ending there at that party and every everything that's going down there, the way he took us into the separate rooms and the audacity with him sneaking in under the truck, then walking in and then like this idea of hiding in plain sight, which a lot of people talk about, totally worked so that when we got to that ending, you had to kind of accept that back and forth with him and Emmy uh, Ravi Lampin. But yeah, I thought his direction was really perfectly spot on for, not perfect, but perfectly spot on for this kind of movie, for sure. Um, what about some of the action sequences here? Let's talk about it. I just mentioned a few of them. Shannon, what did you think about the action sequences, the way they were shot, and where they landed in the movie, and the time that each of them took within their own separate uh, scenes? I mean, again, starting off with that that first one, when he goes to that first call center, the yeah. satisfaction of watching him lay waste to these, you know, awful, awful people who are <laughs> taking advantage oh, yeah. of of some of the weakest in society like that was just awesome because none of these people are really putting up a fight. I yeah, mean, there's like true. a couple of security guards that he dispenses very, very fast and very, wow. very efficiently. Um, even like the, the whole idea, like they, they kind of started tr uh, creeping into like John Wick john wick territory yeah, yeah um with this whole idea of like what this beekeeper what this what this organization actually is how they yeah. they put out a hit on him from within the organization and we get someone in a purple trench coat with a mohawk yeah. with a minigun <laughs> like i thought the whole hiding in plain sight thing i'm like she ain't hiding no she <laughs> wasn't <laughs> you see her coming from a mile away and even yeah. though i think her character was kind of ridiculous right um the action sequence itself was awesome like yes watching him on his heels a little bit and basically finishing the job with a jar of honey because honey's flammable who yeah. knew i mean yeah. even the the sequence towards the end where he does finally meet a challenge and that that south african guy yeah um that was a lot that fight was a lot of fun i mean at first yeah. not really seeing the stature of that dude because he was sitting right i was like is this gonna be like a schwarzenegger and commando thing yeah. <laughs> like this guy's really putting up a fight but then you see like oh you're a you're a big dude and then right. watching them trade blows back and forth like having like you know which way is this fight gonna go um yeah like the action was the action was a lot a lot of fun and yeah. again this is this is the thing that i think is is resonating with people because this is not the type of movie that um it's not the type of movie we get a lot anymore yeah. and yeah. it's not it's not the type of movie that we get and is also very fun to watch yeah eddie fernandez uh was the gentleman who was the stunt coordinator on the film it deserves uh, a lot of credit for how those action sequences went down he's recently seen as a stunt person in rebel moon he was the stunt double for george lopez stunt coordinator on the blackening and a stunt performer on the batman and cop shop which makes all the sense in the world that he was on cop shop if you've ever seen that movie shannon and i went to see that one it was a blast um but yeah so i i, I yeah as i spoke about it already i loved the action sequences when they happened the inventiveness of the fight uh the staging of it all even the unbelievable thing where he takes out all those atf guys before he can go into the building 
I thought that was ludicrous, but they made me believe that it was possible as I was watching it, which I enjoyed as well. Um, and yeah, and some of the mercenary guys, oof, guys, you got to go to acting class. I mean, like it was a rough some of those mercenary guys. So that's what I'll say. Good fighters, but some of those lines just were not delivered well, my God, um, overall. What about the writing here? Is there anything you say? I mean, you're a dad joke lover. There was a lot of bee and honey references here. The writer is Kurt Wimmer, uh, who is known for writing a number of films here, like The Expendables, uh, the Point Break remake, the Total Recall Recall remake, Salt, Law Abiding Citizen, which a lot of people like, Street Kings, which I think is another David Ayer film, The Recruit. So he's and the Thomas Crown Affair, uh, if you remember the remake of that one, which I thoroughly loved, and Law Abiding Citizen, which a lot of people love. So, what do you think of his writing in the film here, man? I mean, in terms of this again, this nebulous organization. I mean, yes. th- this is a fun concept. Like this, this, this group of people, this, this, uh, this group of individuals who take over when society when society fails someone. They're yeah. the ones. They're sort of the backstop to uh, the world devolving into chaos. Yeah. Um. So the world building I thought was really really fun. Like a lot of the like, oh, you know, this is this is the Queen Slayer. <laughs> like a yeah. lot of the kind of be specific terminology it was a little silly i mean they, they he, he really kind of pulled back the reins on the comedy though like there were yeah. there were probably many an opportunity uh for statham to deliver a one-liner yeah um and i'm glad that he did he he actually didn't because i yeah. think the the silliness that the movie does go into i mean it's fully the the action in the settings yeah. um and you know a definitely that South African guy. <laughs> um, but I think if, uh, you know, if, if you were given Statham one-liners left and we're like, hey, now you've been stung. You know, if you'd given him that, I think it it would have been, it, it would have been pretty, pretty groany. And yeah. as someone who does love that type of joke, I'm like, they, you could tell Air was definitely uh, 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 not, not going full 80s. Right. Right. ridiculousness with with those arnold one-liners like i'm glad they actually did hold back on that yeah i agree with you i i liked that they you know started out giving you a little bit of what was happening here they spent enough time establishing certain things see there's the thing the problem with some of these films is they they just think we'll give you the surface stuff you get the point move on you've got to feel things if you feel things if they get through to you the way certain scenes are written once you feel just a little bit of connection, that's enough to carry you through because of Statham's charm and personality. And I think they took their time to establish, uh, Kurt Wimmer did in the writing, with what was going on with Felicia. That scene went longer than you would u- usually see in films like this because they wanted you to understand the intricate nature of what was happening here. So this is a deceptively deeper written film than you think. Yeah, on the surface, it's a fun action film. Throw, It's a fun throwaway uh, a vehicle for Statham that David Ayer directs really well. But underneath, there's commentary about what's going on in our world, and I think Kurt Wimmer did a nice job of that, throwing in a little bit of the middle-of-the-ground type feeling in that we see we do feel a little powerless in our systems. We do feel a little powerless with, our, with the organizations that are supposed to take care of us. There's questions here. So it's just enough. It's just a touch. Not enough to be an overwhelming commentary in our society, but just enough to have it so that you don't have the one-liners, as Shannon pointed out, and defaulting to those quippy moments because the commentary that he does have, even when he's questioned about certain things, his commentary makes sense. And certainly 
he didn't go after mini driver he didn't go after anything because those the other beekeepers and the cia they stood down they were like we're not getting involved in this this is your mess jeremy irons you go and figure it out so i like that we had that in the writing as well and then little moments of connection little moments with him and where whether i believed the connection with him and amy emmy raver is a different conversation but their their moments of conversation about her mom and this woman who took care of him, I thought were really nice in laying the groundwork more and more of wh where he was coming from. So that by the end, when he's doing the things that he's doing and having the conversation, and we see like um, Josh Hutcherson flip out at the end, kill that junior uh, FBI or CIA guy and try to take his mom hostage so that when the death happens, it makes all the sense of the world. And having the mom react to the death, I thought was some great writing as well. Having her be in that room and so is she going to go after him for revenge because she killed her son, even though her son was corrupt and she didn't know about it? So there's questions going into a sequel. They did enough here to make you connect with these characters and then uh, get you excited on the possibility of what we can see in a sequel beyond the ass kicking. There's more here to explore in terms of emotional territory. I know some of you are probably laughing at me saying that, but there was more here than we than you normally get. <laughs> um, all right, we should wrap up. We're at 25 minutes. Shannon, any final words on this uh, on the beekeeper here that, or anything we didn't talk about that you'd like to bring up before we wrap up? I mean, January is the time in theaters where a lot of folks are catching up on those uh, those movies that, that have the accolades that are yeah. going to be carrying away with some statues. If you need a break from that, because, you know, we, you know, John and I certainly love those those, you know, award movies. Yeah, if certainly. you need a little bit of a break from that, The Beekeeper is a great way to yeah. to distract yourself for a little over an hour and a half. That was something else is this is about yeah. clocks in about 100 minutes. Um, and it is, he just nails the gas the whole time. Like yeah. this is, this is eighties, nineties ridiculousness. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I would say if you've got the Regal Unlimited or the AMC, uh, A-list, whatever it is, this is the kind of movie it's built for. So you can go and see it multiple times and have a good, not have to pay anything extra and have a good time watching it over and over again. Cause it's an hour and 40 minutes. That's it. And it's perfectly in and out. And, and Shannon's right. It's a nice palate cleanser in between the more serious films that are coming up for awards that some of you who are film lovers are catching up on. Wonka, Beekeeper, these other films that are that are nice palate cleansers that help you to take a break from the more serious stuff, I think do a nice job for you as a film goer. And this is definitely one of them. A cut above your normal action movie type film. So uh, definitely go see The Beekeeper if you haven't, because I know some of you like to watch these things, even though they're spoiler reviews, when you haven't. But what did you think of the movie? Did you like the movie? Did you like the performances? Did you like the action, the, the script, the direction? Let us know down in the comments section below. Anything we missed that you wanted us to highlight? Did you want us to talk about the South African guy even more? We talked, <laughs> I think, enough about it. We got the point. But did you let us know what you thought about it? Jeremy Irons' role, Josh Hutcherson's performance, and Jason Statham overall at the end. Let us know down there. And of course, if you didn't like the film, let us know why you didn't like it as well down there as well. Shannon, uh, what else do we have to tell them? Well, first, John, how does a beekeeper style their hair? Oh, no. Um, I don't know how. With honeycomb. Oh. Anyways, if you'd, like follow us, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies <laughs> on Instagram, oh. at underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram, Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow the absent Mr. Vogel, yes. ask him why he hasn't seen this movie yet. You yeah. can follow him at MKTune. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, a true lover of dad jokes, you can follow him at The Roca Says. Definitely tweet those jokes at him. He will really appreciate it. Please, I would appreciate it. And please remember to subscribe to the channel 
channel down below and hit that bell button uh, as, so you know when we're dropping all the uh, uh, episodes that we have here of Geek Bite or the Geek Buddies. So take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Geek Bites here from the Geek Buddies. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs>Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.